Good morning. That was pretty good, pretty good. It's been a couple of weeks, so just want to make sure you're okay. So one more time, you know, doing all right? Yeah. Good, 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 glad to hear that. Good to be back. Uh, Beck and I had a little bit of a break, went to New York City and ran around using the subways and doing a ton of walking, so it was a... Uh, it's a great place, great, great thing to do, and I love the city. Um, so, good to be back there. Hey, before I before I get into the, today's passage and the sermon, I, I'd I'd like to just take a minute uh, to share an exciting, really, and an incredibly important project that we need to accomplish this next year. Uh, and it's it's really it's all about maxing out this building, and it's something that we really need as many of you as possible to provide the dollars to help make it, to help make it happen. And I'm, I'm mentioning this today because, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's not going to be long. We're counting down the days and, uh, uh, to the end of this year, you know? So I don't know if you realize that or not, but boy, it's going fast. And so some of you, some of you might be thinking about, you know, where to give an additional gift to a ministry need. And what I like to do today is throw our hat in the ring. And I think it's a pretty important hat. Uh, to, to put in front of you. And what we're talking about is a renovation of one of our rooms in this building, room, room 221, which is actually the third largest room in this building. We got the worship center here, and, and then we got the old worship center, which we now call the hub, and then it's, 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 it's a room which was once used for our, our middle school and our high school students, and it's now being used by our children on Sunday morning for their large group worship time and large group teaching time and, and man you know we just got to keep moving forward in what God calls us to do and so that room needs some significant updating to make it an, an effective place for ministry ministry first of all to our our parents with our new Wednesday evening ministry that we're uh, we're starting for parents and children next next fall 2013 and what we want to do is we want to provide a place that's going to max the opportunity for parents to be strengthened and, and equipped for their responsibility as parents. I can tell you, I'm already dreaming of the day of, of parents sitting around together, learning from each other, and, and learning from those who are going to be teaching from God's word on, you know, God's wisdom and God's truth on, on, on parenting. And, you know, doing it as well as we possibly can, which we, we all want to do. And I... I dream of the day when parents, what parents receive in that room uh, is, is, you know, uh, something that they're going to talk about with their family around the dinner table and, and, and how they lead and, and, and guide their children. So first of all, it's going to be a room for parents. Second, for our children on Sunday mornings. And th they're meeting there now, but if you, if you go to that room, and by the way, it's, in, it's just off the upper lobby, it's the first room on the east side of the building. If you ever looked in there, you know that room has been well used and it's quite worn out. And so it needs some significant updating to, to really make it more effective uh, in, in what we do with our children for their large group uh, worship and their, and their teaching times. And then the other thing about this room, it's going to be a, a key place for a variety of ministries throughout the week. Uh, it, is, it is truly a multi-purpose Kind of a room and those are the kinds of rooms we realize the larger we become the more important they are like this place right here is really a multi-purpose 
multi-purpose room. Um, and we use it for worship on Sunday morning, but we use it all, all week room. So, uh, all week long. So it's, a, it's, it's room 221 is a very strategic place for ministry in this building. And it's definitely worth our investment uh, to bring it up to where it needs to be. And what, it, what it's going to cost us is $70,000 to get that done. And so here's what I'm asking all of you today. And, and that is that go before God, prayerfully consider how you can help us reach that goal of 70000 by the end of the year so we can get done next year what needs to get done with that room. I'm praying, we're praying as a staff for everybody to get involved with this, whether it's through a small gift or a gift that's very large. I mean, honestly, there may be some of you out here today who could write a check for $70,000 and take care of it. And I'd say, go for it. Do it. <laughs> yeah, really, I'm serious. I'm serious. Really, I am. Okay, so here. Yeah, okay, so, but there's two things you got to know, all right, everybody? We don't want you to say, okay, I'm going to give toward that, but then, I'll, then you take what you would normally give here on a Sunday morning, because that, that doesn't do any good at all, okay? Uh, and, and, so, and, and then the thing that we want you to know, starting, to, starting next Sunday, you can give it any time. All you have to do is, if you do it with a check, just write year-end gift on the memo line. And honestly, everybody, I'm excited to be able to put this in front of us, because I know we're going to do it. I believe in it. I love to see how we can max this building out. You should come here on a Wednesday night and you'll see how we max this building out. And, 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 uh, and that's why we're looking ahead. As we look ahead, we're looking at next year. Uh, we'll have a third service here uh, next fall. So, because uh, we got to make sure we use this space. Uh, so pray about it. Uh, I mean, I thank God for the growth. I thank God for our new vision for ministry with children and parents. And, uh, but we got to do what we got to do so we can do it. All right? Thanks. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's see what Jesus says to us today. Um, I love these verses. Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 38. Okay? You've heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go uh, with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn, turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Because he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Uh, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do, do not even pagans do that? Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, before I dig into these verses, there's one thing I'm so thankful for. And, and I, I want to emphasize this morning that really we, we can't afford to miss. And I, I'm just so glad to be able to say it. And it's this. 
Christianity, Christianity is not following a set of rules. It's not that at all. Christianity is God's grace in giving his son to be our savior. A savior who not only shows us how to live life, but also gives us, gives us the desire and the power that we need to, to live it. To live the life that he wants us to live. Now, i got to tell everybody, if there's, if there's ever a time you and I do not want to miss this, it's the challenge that's in front of us today with, with the verses I just read. Now, I can only speak for myself, okay? But I'm guessing I'm not the only one. If there's anything that Jesus said in this sermon that I am tempted to walk away from, it's what he said in these 11 verses. It, it, it just seems to me that he breaks the bank here in what it means to follow him, you know, as Lord of our lives. Because here's what he's saying, okay? Here's what he's saying. I mean, you've got to get this. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, you need to be more concerned for other people than you are for your own rights. All right? That's pretty big. Okay? And then he went on and said, and you also need to love your enemies. Well, I mean, Jesus saying this is why so many people say that he was a, he was a great teacher. Oh, yeah, he was a great teacher, but, but he, was, he was an ideologue. He, he was an ivory tower kind of person, someone who had no idea what life is really all about because what he's asking us to do is, 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 is impossible. Can't be done. Bertrand Russell uh, speaks for a whole lot of people, and he might be speaking for you today when he said this. He said, I love how he said it. Love your enemies is good. It's good. There's nothing to be said against it, except it's too difficult for most of us to do. In other words, Russell's saying what Jesus Christ is saying is good. It's good. It's really good, but, but it's impossible. I want to get this out front. So we deal with it and not end up walking around what Jesus said because we think it's impossible. Because the key truth to remember, and I want you to be so encouraged with this, everybody. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, you have the Spirit of God living in you. And, and he's not in you doing nothing. He's in you to give you both the desire and the power you need to live the life that Jesus Christ is asking each one of us to live in the verses I just read. This makes all the difference, all the difference in how we approach what might be for every one of us one of the most, diff, you know, the most difficult and the most challenging set of verses that we find in, in all of Scripture. And I think you're going to see this. Now, one of the things that grabs my attention with these verses is how relevant they are to all of us. You don't have to be very old before the issues of what's fair and, and getting even and forgiveness and who am I going to like and not like become very real to us. I mean, you don't have something called the terrible twos for nothing, right? Let me ask you, anyone, and, and you can raise your hand with this one, okay? Anyone here have a child this week who had a major meltdown because of something they thought wasn't fair? Anybody? 
Let me just raise those hands high. Major meltdown, yeah? Now, you know, um, Rob Hockney did me a big favor this week. When I told the guys what the sermon was going to be about, he said, I've got, a, I've got a story for you. Okay, Rob and Julie have two children, sweet kids, Morgan and, and, and Bobby, okay? Here's the story. After a long day of school and playing for those two kids, their grandfather came over to their house, to Rob and Julie's house, with a cupcake for each one of the kids. All right, and, 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 and for Morgan, the sweet little girl, he, I mean, they did this thing right, all right? It was a pink, girlish kind of a cupcake with pink frosting on top. And, and, and Robert's, Robert's cu- cupcake was just a normal kind of a cupcake, except it had, a, it had a cherry on top, okay? Now, Rob's telling this. He said, Morgan immediately bypassed saying thank you and began to cry and complain saying, it's not fair that I don't have a cupcake with a cherry. All right? Now, Bobby's young, but Bobby's already figuring things out quickly. So Bobby, Rob said, grabbed that cherry as fast as he could and ate it. Okay? (laughs) I just love this. All right? And so, and now I'm quoting Rob when he said this. I'm not saying this about Morgan. Rob Rob said, which nearly put Morgan into some sort of demonic episode. Okay. All right, and, 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 and Rob said it was all that they could do to calm her down, get her to the point where she would say thank you to her grandfather for the cupcake. Gets even better. Later on, Julie's doing what a mother should do, a parent should do. She's having a conversation with Morgan about this, and she said, you know, Morgan, that really wasn't right what you did. And Morgan said, I know. It's just that I hadn't had a cherry in a really long time. (laughs) We can all relate to that, right? You know, how about getting even? You know, any one of your children do what they thought was their right to do to even the score against a brother or sister? Anybody have a child do that this last week? Oh, yeah, absolutely. How how about the issue of friendship? Do you you see any struggle in your children's lives with who they're going to like and who they're not going to like? Yeah, I mean, it's real stuff. But it's interesting, isn't it? How we can repeat the terrible twos kind of stuff at any age? Huh? Yeah, I mean... It could be my age, it could be, could be in your 40s, um, 60s. Uh, uh, you, could be, you could be in your 70s, you could be in your 80s. You know what? The truth is, everybody, here's the truth, all right? It, it, it becomes its ugliest the older we get. Man, there's nothing worse than a mean old person, you know? What Jesus said here is so relevant because we, you and I live in a world where people do, people do some really bad stuff to other people, whether it's bullying or abuse or name-calling or, or outward, you know, out-and-out violence or persecution, oppression. Whatever form it comes in, it's likely that we've all been on the receiving end at some point in our lives. Or, or right now, you have somebody that you care for a great deal who's on the receiving end, you know? 
I'm, I'm confident there's probably a few parents today who have a son or daughter who dreads going to school because they're being bullied every day. I had a conversation with a parent who knew we were going to do uh, this series who asked me, are you going to talk about, when, I, when you come to this passage, are you going to, are you going to talk about bullying? Because it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. I lived with this the first four years of grade school. For some reason, which I never figured out. In fact, I thought sometimes I'd like to go have a conversation, you know, with this guy and find out. There, there was a guy two grades ahead of me who targeted me for ridicule and physical pain. I mean, ridicule in front of other students. Uh, you know, he had some favorite names he called me. Or, or pounding on me whenever he caught me alone. I mean, it's just, it, it, it was part of my life. I, I mean, I still remember some of those places he caught me. You know, and I've got to tell you, I did whatever I could to avoid both. And it took a whole lot of fun out of those first four years of grade school. I was so glad when he, you know, went on to seventh grade at a different school. So this is real stuff we're talking about. As we look at what Jesus said in these 11 verses. And what I'd like to do is put what Jesus said into two points. And, but, but, but as we do this, again, the thing to remember, everybody, is God is getting in you to give you the strength to do what you need to do, what's right. Whether, whether you're on the receiving end of what's wrong or you're the one who's making life hard for other people. God, 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 God's in you. God will give you the strength you need to do what's, what's right. So there's two things Jesus shows us okay two things that we learn number one the danger of revenge and hate the danger of it and number two the antidote to both okay so let's 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 begin with the danger and 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 Jesus first says this uh, about revenge okay the danger of uh, he said verse 38 and verse 39 you've heard it, it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth but I tell you do not resist an evil person and then he said this about hate in verse 43 and verse 44 he said you've heard that it was said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I tell you I tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you like wow yeah that's that's big saying you're you're relating to people to people in a certain way let me help you understand where you're wrong, where you're missing what God is saying and, and, and how dangerous this really is. He's unmasking what his listeners have come to understand this as good and normal, what, what really what many people today would say is their right to do, which is someone hurts me, I'm going to hurt them right back, or I'm going to only hang out with people who I like and who like me. I mean, that's... Pretty real, right? Jesus, and so Jesus is saying to people back then, and he's saying to us today, you've heard that this is the way life is supposed to be, but I'm here to tell you that it isn't. Okay? Let's, let's look at what he's getting at here. First, first of all, the, uh, the approach to life that he corrects in verse 38 and verse 39. And here's, here's what you got to know. You got to know that an eye for an eye is in the Bible. Okay? And it really is. You find it in Exodus chapter 21, this statement. Okay? In verse 23, verse 24, 
verse 25 of Exodus 21. It's this. If, if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. I don't know what you think when you read that, but you know, you, you read a statement like that, and I think it's so easy to think to yourself, wow, you know, that, that sounds so barbaric. Why would God tell us to do something like that? Why? Well, here's the deal with this. It was actually an enormous step forward toward a more humane and just world. Because in the world back then, when this was first given, there was no system of justice. It was, it was every man for himself. And, and, and what, it made, what made it really ugly and dangerous is that if you had the power, there was no limit on the revenge you could take against another person. And, and no matter what you did to someone less powerful than you, that person had no recourse for justice. There was nothing they could do to defend themselves. And so it was into a world like this that this law was introduced and it was given to promote a, a civil and a justice society to protect the weak. It, it was not saying, it was not saying, go, go for revenge whenever you can. It wasn't saying that. It was saying the very opposite. It was limiting the punishment someone received for the wrong they did. Okay? Because you see, the deal back then was if, if, if like, for example, if, if you poked me in my eye back then and I had a lot of power, I could say, well, I'm just going to take your head off. Uh, you know, uh, that kind of thing it was just way twisted. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, what the religious leaders, the people who were the spiritual leaders of the people when Christ was living on earth, you know what they did? They totally ignored what God intended and instead turned it into a personal license for vengeance. They, they, they used it to defend their right to, to, to pay back anyone who, who did them wrong, which I tell you what, it was very appealing to a whole lot of people. People liked hearing them say that. And even today, conventional wisdom says you know, well, makes sense to me. Why shouldn't I be able to give back exactly what was given to me? I mean, why not? I mean, if I, why not? I mean, it's so easy to think this way, isn't it? You know, if someone disses me, I'm going to diss them right back. I mean, it's so easy to react this way. As, as soon as our rights are violated, or we think our rights are violated, I mean, you know, isn't that our immediate reaction? They're going to pay they're going to pay. Here's the truth about this, okay? Man, this is, this is the deal not to miss here, okay? It's a dangerous way to live. It's a, it's a dangerous thing for any and every relationship. If you're living this way, you know what? You're going to live in a world where you're constantly trapped in conflict. And, and, and you know what's going to happen? You're, you're going to destroy everybody around you. You're going to create hard hearts. You're going you're to create total distrust and eventually a whole bunch of broken relationships. 
Lewis Meads put it this way, and I think he just nailed it with this statement. He said, the problem with revenge is that it never gets what it wants. It never evens the score. Fairness never comes. The chain reaction set off by every act of vengeance always takes this unhindered course. It, it ties both the injured and the injured to an escalator of pain. That's, hear that? Escalator of pain. He's right, everybody. Live this way and you're just going to be in a chain reaction of conflict. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be on this, on this escalator and you're never going to get off. You know? and, and I think, honestly, if we, all, if, if we all think this one through, I mean, I doubt that any one of us, that this is the kind of world that we want to, to live in. And the truth is, I'm so glad to be able to say this, is you don't have to live this way. You don't have to. Because God's in you and God's giving you the power you need to get off the escalator. But I gotta tell you, hey, I gotta tell you. If you say, I wanna stay on the escalator, I wanna keep on living this way, you know what? You're gonna end up living the second approach to life that Jesus corrected. The, the one expressed in the statement found in verse 43 where he said, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You know what? You're gonna end up being filled with hate. You're just gonna, you're gonna be a hate filled, nasty kind of a person. And I don't think you wanna be that way. The thing you've got to know, everybody, is that the first part of the statement is in the Bible. The part about loving your neighbor. But the second part isn't. <laughs> nowhere, nowhere in the Bible are we told to hate our enemies. You're just not going to find it anywhere. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, the religious leaders back then did it again. <laughs> They took both sides of the statement to do exactly what they wanted to do. As, as far as loving their neighbor, they created a very narrow definition of, of neighbor. There, was, there were very few people that they liked. And then as far as their enemy, an enemy for them was anybody who got in their way. Anyone who violated what they considered to be their rights. I mean... Again, I mean, if, if you think this through, right? If you think it through, if you're really objective and, and logical about this, you can't help but see what a, what a dangerous world it creates if we all live this way. A, a, a world where we're only loving who we like and hating whoever we dislike. I mean, I mean already people living this way is why there's so much destruction of human lives in our world. I mean, why would we ever want to do the same? Why? So what's the alternative? What's, what's the antidote to this? To revenge and hate. Well, first of all, the antidote to revenge. Verse 30, I want to read these verses again. It's worth hearing. He said, you've heard it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. And someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, which is like your shirt, 
let him have your cloak as well, which is a coat. And, and then he said, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, first of all, first of all, three things that Jesus is not saying here, okay? Man, we, I don't want anybody to walk out of here like applying this the wrong way, okay? So, number one, he is not saying that we shouldn't take a stand against evil. He's not saying that. For him to say that would contradict all of what scripture says about righteousness and justice. So number one, he's not saying that we should not take a stand against evil. Number two, he isn't saying that we should continue in any kind of relationship where we're being abused, whether it's physical abuse or verbal abuse. All right? Shouldn't stay in that. Number three, and this is important, parents, he isn't saying that we should tell anybody, especially our children, to allow themselves to be bullied by another person. Okay? All right. Okay. Now, now that we know what he's not saying, let's look at what he's saying. What he's saying is what Paul said about the same issue in the 12th chapter of Romans, where Paul bottom-lined it with this prescription for dealing with evil. A powerful statement. Paul said... Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the antidote, okay? That's the love that Jesus calls us to, to, to overcome this chain reaction of revenge and hate with, with good, all right? And, and, and you, know what, you know what I love about this passage? We might say that Jesus gives us here four different case studies, four different examples of of how to live this out in our life. I think we're going to see how relevant they are for us today. He gives us four of them. A slap, a coat, a walk, and a loan. So let's, let's look at each one of these. First of all, the slap. Verse 39. Look, look at this. He said, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Okay? Now, as hard as it is to think about the pain of a slap in the face right? It's what that slap represents, why it's given that hurts even more. You see, it's given to dishonor us in front of other people. You know, it's one thing to be hurt on the outside, but it's another thing to be hurt on the inside, right? So let me ask you, have you ever had that kind of a slap in the face? You know? It really hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. And what do you want to do in response? I'll tell you what. I know what I do. I want to do in my natural self. I just want to defend myself. I want to push back. Jesus says, don't. He says, don't. Just let it go. As much as you want to get into it with that other person, as much as you want to prove them wrong, as much as you want to point out their failings, as he said, what Jesus Christ is saying to us here is just trust God. Trust God and trust what you know to be true about yourself and let it go. Wow. It's like, whoa. Second, the coat, verse 40. Man, he said, he said, if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, your shirt, let him have your coat as well. 
Now, here we're talking about a legal matter, one person suing another. So, so let me ask you this. If, if someone is being sued for their shirt, how much money do you think that person has? Just do it with your hand. What? Zero, right? Nothing in the bank. You know, it's likely that all that person has is the clothes on their back. I mean, this is, this is a desperately poor person that Jesus is talking about. Probably a debtor who cannot repay their debts. And you know what? You know what? You know what I love about this? I think Jesus knew his audience very well. I, knew, I think he knew there were a lot of people listening to him that that's exactly what they were. They were desperately poor. All they had was the clothes on their back. And he's saying to them, if this happens to you, if you're being sued by somebody you know you did wrong to, and they sue you for your shirt, he's saying, give it to them. And with it, give them your coat. Now, don't raise your hand, okay? I want you to raise your hand for this question. It's pretty personal. Anyone here right now, right now, in a legal issue with another person where you know, you know you're in the wrong? Okay? If you are, this is what Jesus is telling you to do. He's saying, don't just give the other person what they deserve. Give them even more to compensate for the trouble you've cost them. Again, I go like, oh, okay. <laughs> Here's third one, the walk. Verse 41. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. You know, you know what, everybody? Everybody in the audience that day knew exactly what Jesus Christ was referring to here. You see, they were all living under the oppression of the Roman government. And there were a lot of ways that Rome made life miserable for them. And one of them was what he's talking about right here. Okay? And here's what, here's what would happen to you. A Roman soldier could come to you at any point, no matter what you were doing, and force you to stop what you were doing and carry whatever they wanted to carry as far as they wanted you to carry it. You could be doing anything. You could be in the backyard playing with your kids. You could be having dinner with your family. You could be at work. You could be shopping. Whatever it was, they could, they could stop you and they could tell you to carry their stuff. And Jesus, you know what Jesus is saying? I mean, just try to put yourself in that situation he's saying swallow your pride swallow your dignity swallow your frustration and your anger and go the extra mile and you know what he's saying and do it with a smile man imagine what that was like you know what some of you might say and you know what you might say Steve I don't need to imagine what it's like I'm there right now you might have a boss or a co-worker whose expectations are totally unfair. You might have a neighbor who's unbelievably inconsiderate. You might even have a husband or a wife who lives like the world revolves around them. You might have a parent like that. <laughs> that gets real, doesn't it? I mean, it's here what Jesus said gets tested big time. 
but it's also where your faith in Christ can most impact the lives of other people. You see what? You know what? You respond with kindness and patience and a willingness to serve. And you know what? Your faith will become very real to everybody watching, including the person who's being an absolute jerk. Now, don't misunderstand me here. If you're married to somebody and they are doing stuff that's wrong, I'm not saying you don't, you don't speak the truth to them. Absolutely you speak the truth to them. I'm not saying you let them get by with doing what's wrong. No way am I saying that. But what I'm talking about is that you have an attitude of servanthood and kindness even as you're speaking the truth to that person. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, talk back to me. Okay, good. Good. Fourth, the loan deal. All right? Look at this, the loan deal. Verse 42. He said, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now again, what we're talking about here is giving that really helps another person. We're not talking about giving somebody something that they're just going to turn around and use that money in a way that's going to hurt them. Or that they, they have a track record of wasting money over and over and over and over again. We're not talking about that. We're talking about giving to somebody who's got a genuine need. And Jesus is saying, do it with, do it with generosity. And you know what makes this so challenging in the context of this passage he's saying even do this for somebody who once did you wrong wow I don't know all this I, I think it's incredibly challenging but it's what it means to overcome evil with good and now I got to tell everybody this one <laughs> this passage just is like kind of beat me up all week so I'm glad to be able to share my pain with you today okay yeah, yeah. you know what I mean yeah I'm glad glad you could be there with me all right and we're not even done look at this verse 43 you've heard of what's said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then he tells us why we should do this. He said, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven because he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And then he gives us a couple ifs. He said, if you love those who love you, what reward are you going to get? Not even, he said, are not even the tax collectors doing that? I don't know if you remember, but tax collectors by the Jewish people were considered the lowest of the low because they were in cahoots with the Roman government. And and, and he said, boy, tax collectors will do that. So that's not a big deal. And then, and then he said, and if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? So not even pagans do that. He's saying people who have no relationship with God at all will even do that. They'll say hi to their brother, the people they like. And then he nails it. He said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. How do you like that? Love your enemies. Love the person who hates you. Love the person right now who's making life miserable for you. And, and then he says, and, and pray for this person. And, and, and by that, by the way, by the way, when he says pray for that person, it's not praying, God get them. Okay? All right? That's not the prayer. Okay? Just want to make sure, you know, don't misunderstand. Okay. Now, you know what? You know what? 
Talk about raising the bar as high as it gets for what it means to follow Jesus Christ. I, I don't know, but I don't think it could get any higher than this. And I know it can't because Jesus ends all of this by saying what he said in verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Any guesses on what I'm tempted to do with that final statement? Any guesses? I'm tempted to walk around the bar. You know, walk around the bar. I want to say to myself, be perfect like God is perfect. Oh, that's, that's impossible. <laughs> but I can't say that. And here's why. Going back to where we began today, the good news is Jesus Christ is my Savior. And, and because he is, I have the Spirit of God living in me. And he's in me. He's not doing nothing. He's in me to give me both the desire and the power I need to live the life that Christ is asking me to live. And you know what? What's true for me is true for you. Now, it's possible that for years you've been trapped in the lie that you can't forgive those who've wronged you. And you know what? You're being hurt by this lie more than anybody else. Truth is, it's destroying you. And friend, I've got good news for you. You don't have to stay in that trap. Jesus Christ has the power to set you free. You might be the one who's been making life miserable for everybody else. And right now, you have a choice to make, friend. To own up for, with what you've been doing. To, to confess it for what it is to those you've hurt. And to humbly ask their forgiveness. And here too, I've got good news for you. You, you have God's power in you to do that. To do what's right. And if you'd say, if you'd say, but Steve, Jesus isn't my savior. If anything, I'm his enemy. I've been waiting for this all week to give you the good news, the great news. He loves you. He loves you, and, and, and he'd love to be your savior. You see, the really wonderful thing about this is there was a day when he allowed himself to be hit in the face again and again and again, and he did it for you. And there was a day when, when a Roman soldier forced him to carry a cross and he did it for you. And there was a day when he allowed himself to be stripped naked and nailed to that same cross and he did it for you. I mean, he, could, he could have called all the angels of heaven to set him free, but he didn't because he saw you. There was a day when he gave you what you weren't even asking for, but you so desperately needed. He gave his life for you on a cross. He died for your sin. And, and you know what? There was a day when he took the debt of your sin on himself, and he died for you so that you could receive God's forgiveness and eternal life. What a Savior, right? What a Savior. That's just so motivates me now you may you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna pray here and rob's gonna come and lead us in worship but before you stand maybe you just need to have a a personal conversation with god you know just you and god and 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 i'm gonna pray but if if i start praying before you're done praying just keep talking to god don't listen to me right 
You know, maybe, maybe you're, you're, you've been a nasty, mean person and you just need to deal with it. Or maybe you're in a situation that's just really rough and, and you need God's strength and God's wisdom. And, and I would say, just call out for either one, okay? Or maybe today you're here and, and you'd, you'd say, but Jesus isn't my Savior. And I just want to say to you, he can be your Savior today, right now. In the next moment, all you need to do is say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me, and I'm a sinner, and I need you. Please come into my life. And he will. Will. So let's pray, okay? Let's just have some personal time, and then I'll pray, and then Rob's going to come and lead us in worship. Lord Jesus, there's many reasons that I'm in awe of you. And one of them is what you just said in this passage. It's just, I don't know how anyone could nail it any better than what you've done. And it's just so right on mark, so true, so true. I praise you for you wanting us to live this way, and you wanting us to do what's right. With all my heart, I thank you for your grace and coming to this earth and becoming our Savior and, and making all of this possible for us. You're just so good and you're so kind and, and so gracious. And we owe you everything. We certainly owe you to live the way you want us to live. And we ask for your power. We ask for your wisdom to follow you with our whole heart so that we can bring glory to you and glory to your Father. I praise this. I pray this, Lord, with, with praise and gratitude because of who you are and what we can be. Amen.